With the season opener just around the corner, the Seahawks, unfortunately, will be without two key players on defense. Dallas Cooper and I are going to be breaking it all down on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined for today's Blue Friday show by my co-host, Dallas Cooper. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Whether you're listening from Las Vegas, Nevada, or Miami, Florida, we greatly appreciate your support day in and day out. We're drawing closer to the season opener, nearly just a week away. Going to have some not-so-positive news regarding that first game on today's show. Plus, we'll be diving into some Fantasy Friday projections at the running back position, and we'll be playing What's the Odds, looking at a number of different topics on offense, defense, and special teams heading into the Seahawks 2023 season. This episode is brought your way by Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use the code Locked in NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. The Seahawks will battle the Rams at Lumen Field next Sunday to open the regular season. And unfortunately, they will be missing two of their better defensive players in that game. Pete Carroll this morning on KJR Sports Radio admitting that Jamal Adams and Devin Witherspoon will not be playing in Sunday's opener against the Rams. Witherspoon has been out since August 7th, dealing with a hamstring injury. It sounded like he was trending towards being ready, but he missed the entire preseason, and he hasn't been practicing with the team this week. Maybe he's done some walkthrough stuff, but reporters have not been able to see that with the team being in regular season mode. So, he has been ruled out, and Jamal Adams, who still, as far as I've been told, has not partaken in anything on the practice field yet, despite coming off the pup list last week, he also has been ruled out. That one does not surprise me as much, uh, Dallas, just because we know that there's now less than a week and a half. There's no way that they could get him in football shape if he hasn't even started to do anything on the practice field yet. So it's just week one. It's a long season, not time to press the panic button. No real surprise with Adams. It's disappointing that the number five overall pick Witherspoon is not going to be out there for week one, but the hope is that with an extra week that they can get both these guys ready so they can be ready in week two to go against the Detroit Lions at Ford Field. And the best thing to do with these types of injuries is just to sit back and let it completely heal. And as you said, Corbin, Adams, him expecting him to be ready for week one was always going to be a stretch. That was always going to be a real optimistic timeline if you really wanted him to be there for week one. And like, as you said, if he hasn't practiced all this time. Why would you throw him out there for the first game of the season when clearly he isn't in football shape? Because it's impossible to be in football shape when you haven't been on the practice field. And for Witherspoon, being a new draft pick, he hasn't been able to practice nearly as much as the other rookies on Seattle's roster because of injury. And with that, he has to understand the playbook. He has to understand everything that goes on within the defense, and especially at cornerback, which is one of the toughest positions in the league. It, there's a lot for him to go on. 
it's a lot better for week one. You're going with an experienced guy, someone who's already been in the system that understands what's going to happen because Witherspoon just needs to be healthy. Hamstring injuries are ones that linger for a long time, especially if you rush them back early. We've seen seasons, heck, even careers get derailed from some something small like a hamstring, which never fully healed. We don't want that for Witherspoon. Get them back at 100% whenever that is. Yeah, it's two little different situations because when you're talking about a soft tissue injury, like a hamstring injury, that's one where a guy can feel good, but it's not completely healed. And then one wrong step and they re-injure it or it's worse than it was before. And now you're looking at multiple months that the player could be out last year. That happened with Keenan Allen, the star receiver from the Chargers. So it's a little different for Jamal Adams, on the other hand. He is fully healed. Everything that I have been told is that he is fully healed from the torn quad tendon. The issue with this particular situation, though, is that Jamal Adams has not practiced, as we just mentioned. And this is such a tough injury to come back from that you can be running full speed. You can be cutting, doing all that stuff. But until you have had a chance to get out on the practice field, wrap guys up, get off of blocks, and be able to do football-related stuff, you're not ready to play. So he's 100% healed. That doesn't mean he's 100% ready to play. Jordan Brooks has been able to practice the last couple weeks. So he is much further along in this process being ready to play football than what Jamal Adams is. So again, this one does not surprise me. It has been trending this way for the last couple of weeks that Adams was not going to be ready for the season opener. Their goal is now week two or even week three. Let's get Jamal Adams back healthy. Let's make sure that he is ready to roll so that we can keep him on the field. And the same thing with your top five pick. They don't want to throw Devin Witherspoon out there when his hamstring is 85, 90% and then have him get re-injured because now he could be out for multiple weeks, multiple months potentially if he re-injures that. Make sure that hamstring is fully ready to go. Get him back. That way he's with you hopefully the rest of the season. And hopefully he's starting for you early on in the year. So it's not a time to press the panic button. The Rams could potentially be without Cooper Cup too. So both these teams could go into the season opener dealing with some injuries. And if you're looking for another silver lining here, the Seahawks have good depth at both those positions. There's a reason they signed Julian Love because he has started a lot of games in the NFL. Still just a 26-year-old player. He's played both safety positions. You signed him, Dallas, so that he could play that role of being an insurance policy for Jamal Adams. At the corner position, you've had Mike Jackson and Trey Brown duking it out for that left cornerback spot. You just added Caillou Blue Kelly to the mix as well, a player that has some upside to potentially be a starter caliber player down the line. So they've got a lot of depth at that position where they can get by if Devin Witherspoon misses a week or two before he's fully healed. So they've got depth. They've got insurance there. If these were long-term things, then yes, you'd be alarmed. You'd be concerned. But this is one game. I think there's a very good chance, at least for Witherspoon, we'll see him in week two. And this gives you a better chance to really make sure you don't rush Jamal Adams back to get him back on the field. As you spoke to John Schneider, this offseason signed Julian Love and as you're talking about him, and we've all talked about him as an insurance policy for the safety position, but what a premier insurance policy that is. A guy that, that, that's this experienced, excuse me, and he's this, or this experienced, and he's been playing so much football, experience at both safety spots, as you said, experience playing in the slot, 
Heck, even in the draft when he was coming out, he was drafted originally as an outside corner. Julian Love has so much experience in the, the whole defensive backfield that he can come in wherever and he's going to make plays no matter what. He played for Wink Martindale's system, which is notoriously one of the most complicated systems. Now he comes to Seattle. He, I'm sure he's not going to have any issues immediately hitting the ground running and being there ready for week one. Yeah, that's a good point there, is that he's played in some uh, schemes that are really complex. He's played a number of different positions. From everything I've gathered, he has picked stuff up for the Seahawks with no issue. He's a Notre Dame guy, so you expect that he's going to be able to do that. Really intelligent football player, great football mind. So they have the insurance policy there. They were going to be ready if Jamal Adams couldn't play in week one or week two I think he is close they're going to get him out of the practice field but they're not going to rush him back they're going to make sure that he is ready to go same thing with Devin Witherspoon so neither one of these guys playing for the Rams we'll see what happens on the Cooper Cup front for the Rams he may or may not be available could end up being a wash if Cup doesn't play and Witherspoon doesn't play then all right carry on let's play let's get this game rolling at Lumen Field but certainly a storyline to watch considering the Seahawks will be without two of their better defensive backs heading into this season opener. Coming up next here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks, we're going to shift our attention to the backfield with a fantasy scope. We're going to be looking at Fantasy Friday projections for Ken Walker III, Zach Charbonnet and company, the running backs for the Seahawks, what NFL.com is expecting, what we are expecting from a fantasy perspective, and more. Coming up next here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks which is brought to you away by our friends at FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined on today's show by Dallas Cooper. And a special thanks to all the 12s, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Coming up on Monday, we are kicking into full throttle regular season mode. Rob Rang and I are going to start taking a deeper dive into the upcoming opponent, the Los Angeles Rams, what happened last year, what we saw in the preseason, what this football team might look like with all the new pieces they have gearing up for the opener against the Seahawks. You won't want to miss it. Let's get to our Fantasy Friday, shall we, Dallas? It is that time of year, and a lot of you that are listening, maybe you've already drafted your fantasy teams. There's some of you that are rushing around like, oh, wait, the season starts next week, and I haven't picked my team yet. So, We're going to go to a position that maybe it's been devalued by the NFL, but in fantasy world, running backs are still incredibly important. They fly off the shelves early in fantasy drafts, and the Seahawks have invested a lot of draft capital in this position. Two second-rounders in Ken Walker III and Zach Charbonnet. They've got a seventh-rounder in Kenny McIntosh. DJ Dallas is still on the roster. So, Dallas, let's look at some of these fantasy projections and discuss what NFL.com is envisioning from Walker, Charbonnet, and Dallas. We'll briefly mention McIntosh, but I can tell you that he was in the 130s, so he is not a player that they have on their scope at all, being a fantasy contributor. We may have a chance to you know, go against that or refute that, but he has been injured, so 
Right now, we're going to focus on those first three backs. And the general consensus is this is Ken Walker the third's job. I would agree with that. He is still your starter, but Zach Charbonnet gives you a really nice one-two punch. And as far as projections for Ken Walker the third, Dallas, right now NFL.com's projecting 204.96 points. That's 23rd among running backs. They're projecting 1,071 yards, so very close to his rookie production. Eight touchdowns. 26 receptions, 187 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. So not a ton of contributions in the passing game projected here, but another solid 1,000-yard season out of the backfield running the football is the projection that NFL.com has right now. What do you think about these projections, looking at the numbers, and what you envision Walker doing in his sophomore season? Honestly, looking at these projections, I really do agree with them. I think that in terms of his rushing yards, he's going to be around that 1,000-yard mark. If he was able to do that in his rookie year, having a split time, especially early in the season, and then only be able to take over midseason and get to that 1,000-yard marker, or at least near that 1,000-yard marker, Ken Walker is going to explode this year. In terms of touchdowns, I think he's going to be around that area because I don't think he's going to have too much because of Zach Charbonnet being included as well and Geno Smith being really good in the red zone in red zone passing. The Seahawks might be passing more in the red zone with all their targets that they have. But D, or not DJ Dallas, excuse me, Ken Walker, the big thing about him is going to be his explosives. And depending on what league you're in, if you're in a PPR, you might not value him as much. But if you're in a standard league, he's still a very good running back RB2 to get. Heck, even in PPR, he's a good RB2. As you said, not much contribution, contribution in the passing game. But I think a lot of that is due to Zach Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet comes out of UCLA and he's going to come in. Passing game was kind of his thing in the draft where he's a power back that also gives you the ability to be a, a really good third down back. And if the potential of him gets fulfilled in his rookie year, that could really diminish the snaps that Ken Walker is going to get, which, off, which would offer running back passing more. But he's still a really good option as an RB2 in fantasy. I just have reservations about any of these running backs putting up gaudy numbers as pass catchers because of all the weapons that Geno Smith has at receiver and tight end. Now, as far as rushing yards, I'm at a little over 1,100 yards right now for Ken Walker III. So I'm in the same zip code. I think he can be a little bit more productive, and it's because of those explosives. The fact that I think the offensive line, particularly in the interior, is going to be upgraded from last season, at least in the run game department. I expect there's going to be more running lanes, more creases for Ken Walker the third. So I think the rushing yards I agree with, I actually think touchdowns, they are being a little bit generous. That's just my opinion. I could see him rushing for four or five touchdowns this year because that is the area where I think Zach Charbonnet is maybe going to be the biggest handcuff for Ken Walker the third. And that obviously impacts the fantasy points substantially if he isn't able to find the end zone as much as he did last year when he almost hit double-digit rushing touchdowns as a rookie. Now, if he rips off a bunch of 40, 50-yard touchdown runs, then that doesn't matter for Zach Charbonnet. But if you get in the red zone and you're in those short-yarded situations where you need the power back, I feel like that's where Zach Charbonnet is going to maybe steals some playing time that Ken Walker III got last year. So that'd be my one reservation. He could definitely get to eight touchdowns, but as far as I'm concerned, 
that's the stat here that I could maybe see potentially getting cut into a little bit by Charbonnet. But I think over a thousand yards, definitely doable. I think the receiving numbers, 20 plus receptions. I think that's a reasonable estimation, even in this passing game. As for Charbonnet, the rookie coming out of UCLA, he is ranked 50th in the rankings for a backup running back. That's not bad. 105.68 points. NFL.com's projecting 492 rushing yards, four touchdowns, 15 receptions, 117 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. As you and I were just talking, there's one stat there that I could see being a little bit higher there just because of the projected red zone and goal line usage for Charbonnet going with Ken Walker the third. And Corbin, I already know what you're talking about. You're projecting that the rushing touchdowns is going to be spiking way up from four. <laughs> Charbonnet is going to come in as a power back, as you were talking about. He's going to be the guy getting the goal line carries. That's kind of the reason he was drafted. The whole point was Walker was very good back in his own right, but in short yarded situations, he did have moments where he struggled to get what the offense needed. Charbonnet is known for that. He's a very north to south runner, and he's going to get as much yards as he's going to get. Is he going to bust off the explosives? Not nearly as much. But in terms of having to get one, two, three yards, that is invaluable when you're near the goal line. And Charbonnet, as you said, should be taking the boatload of carries. And Corbin, I'm going to even say, I think in terms of receptions, I think that's going to be a lot higher. I could see him in the 20s, potentially even 30s, because I think Charbonnet is going to be that default third down back for Seattle. Yeah, he's playing a lot of snaps on third down. He is going to get opportunities to catch passes. If he's doing one or two receptions per game, he's going to be able to get to 30 receptions this year. So it's possible that that 15 is on the lower end. I think that this is difficult to project, though, because there are two other running backs in this team that have third down value as well. So that might be cutting into these projections. And that leads us to the other back that I think is worth discussing here. And again, Kenny McIntosh will have a chance qu quickly to discuss his fantasy value. I think at this point, he's going to be playing such limited snaps, even if he's dressed, that I wouldn't necessarily view him as a fantasy option. If you're looking for a deep sleeper or just somebody to hang on to, and this is how I handle fantasy. Maybe this is why I haven't won many leagues in my time doing fantasy, but I like to keep, multiple running backs from the same team because if one goes down, then I can turn to the other one. And DJ Dallas, I think has some deep value in terms of the fact that this guy does have experience being your third down back. NFL.com has him ranked 69. So not much lower than Zach Charbonnet. And I think one of the things that gives him fantasy value is that third down back former receiver background that he has. They're projecting 17 receptions, 162 yards and a touchdown on the ground, just 230. I don't think he's going to get a ton of carries, but all it takes is Charbonnet or Walker getting banged up for a game or two. And you could see quite a bit of DJ Dallas in a handful of games. So I think with the injury rate that you have at this position, Dallas, that these numbers, our listeners might be thinking, oh, those seem a little high with the other two backs, but during the course of the season, there are going to be guys that get banked up in the backfield. It's inevitable. So you have to have your other back step up. I think DJ Dallas is going to get enough opportunities as a third down back and doing some fill-in work that he's not going to run for 500 yards, but I could see him getting over 200. I could see him catching quite a few passes out of the backfield. And of course, his special teams value 
if you're in a fantasy league where that matters. Of course, that's something to consider as well. But I think as a deep sleeper, a guy to stash on your bench, it might be worth looking at him, especially with the injury rates of this position. Definitely. With all four of these guys at the running back position, as you just said, most of the weeks, especially going in midseason and late season, you're probably going to have three of them active at most. And that's really what happens with the running back position. As you said, it's inevitable. It's a really brutal position. You're taking a lot of hits and from guys that are a lot bigger than them. So it's a, it's a position you're going to get banged up on. And when one of them goes down, you're going to have two guys that are going to see spikes in productions. And as you said, that's a very interesting draft strategy, Corbin, as I haven't heard too much people saying that, but maybe I got to start implementing that, having two running backs from the same team on my fantasy leagues. It's, it's a strategy that I've seen other people do because you want to have that insurance policy. And if another person in your league ends up taking one of those players, you know, it can be hard to get Walker and Charbonnet, but maybe you can get Walker or Charbonnet and DJ Dallas. Or if you want to go with Kenny McIntosh again right now, I think that the odds of him getting very many snaps is not very high, but DJ Dallas is a player with his experience and the fact that he has played third down back extensively in the NFL, that might be a guy that is worth getting maybe as one of your backup flexes. It depends on the league that you're in and the structure of the draft and stuff, but that might be a player that is worth considering because if you have Ken Walker, the third or Zach Charbonnet get injured for a couple of weeks, get banged up and you try to go out and get DJ Dallas and you didn't draft him ahead of time, somebody else has him, then you got to trade. You don't want to end up in that kind of position. So that's just personally what I've done, not all the time, but it's something that I've done when I've played fantasy. Anyway, we're going to be switching gears. Coming up next, we're going to play What's the Odds, our Blue Friday game day, looking at some offense, defensive, and special team statements. And we're going to be deciding what are the odds, what's the percentage chance it's going to happen this upcoming season. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks, which is brought your way by our friends over at Game Time. If you've ever been on the hunt for sports or concert tickets at the last minute, the process can be anxiety-provoking and make you sweat. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. If you're wanting to see the Seahawks against the Rams at Lumen Field next Sunday and have an itch for putting together a last-minute trip with a detailed stadium map, you can find awesome deals using GameTime's Flash Deals feature for under $75 right now. It's super easy. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, and the GameTime guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference snag the tickets without the stress with game time download a game time app create an account and use the code locked in nfl for 20 dollars off your first purchase again create an account and redeem the code locked in nfl for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed terms apply you're listening to the blue friday edition of locked on seahawks this is your host corbin smith glad to be joined on today's show by my co-host dallas cooper and a special thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure to check out. We have a really fun Locked on Ultimate NFL Season Preview that just launched the seventh episode extravaganza brings opinions, analysis, and plenty of debate from all 32 of our Locked on NFL hosts with added insights from our national experts. It's a can't-miss series before the season kicks off. Catch every episode on Locked on NFL on YouTube or wherever. 
you get your podcast. All right, Dallas, it's time to play one of our favorite games. What's the odds? And for those of you that are new to the show or haven't seen Pardon the Interruptions of the other shows that have done similar segments, I'm going to be reading off a statement, a projection for this upcoming season for the Seahawks on offense, defense, or special teams. And Dallas, you and I are going to dish out a percentage chance that it a percentage chance that it happens in 2023. So without further ado, let's get to it. Our first one here. What's the odds? Geno Smith eclipses 70% completion percentage in 2023. Dallas, he came up just short last year. Can he make it happen this season? What's the odds? Say 15%. And the reason is, as you said, it's a very, very difficult thing to do. Not much quarterbacks have done this in history. I'm going to give him a shot because of all the targets he has, but it's something very difficult. So I'm going to put it on a very much at the lower end. I'm going to go 65%. I think that there's a really good chance that he gets it done because of those weapons you just mentioned. And I think the fact that the newest person that you added to this skill position group, Jackson Smith and Jigba, he chews up the middle of the field as a slot target. I would think that that's just going to improve Geno Smith's chances of getting that uh, accuracy percentage up to 70%. He was throwing in that percentage in their preseason game. I just think as in command as he is on this offense and the weapons he has that 70% is doable. He almost did it last year. Most of the year he was at 70%. I think he's got a pretty good shot to make it happen this year with the weapons that he's got around him. And yeah, it hasn't happened much, but I think Geno Smith has the goods to be able to make it happen this year for the Seahawks. What's the odds? Three Seattle running backs finished with 250 or more rushing yards this is a really good uh, jump off from what we talked about in the Fantasy Friday section here earlier on the show, Dallas. Um, the projections for NFL.com didn't quite have this happening, but could you foresee three running backs in the Seahawks rushing for 250 or more yards this year? I actually see this at a 45%. I think it's going to be very close, especially depending on how much running backs get banged up, as we talked about. If there's a situation where a lot of times only two of them are active at a time, there's a very good chance that three running backs could be getting 250 yards, and I could really see that happening. It all just depends on how the injuries shake out. That's how I see it. I'm going to go with 30%, a little lower than you. I definitely think it's doable. I just think that Ken Walker the third and Zach Charbonnet are going to get such a lion's share of the reps when they are healthy. Now, if there's an injury thrown in there, then obviously DJ Dallas or Kenny McIntosh is going to be the benefactor. And if they get to play extensive amount of snaps for a handful of games, 250 yards is definitely doable. So I think that it's possible. I'm just going to be leaning more towards the not happening than happening in this particular one. So I'm going to say 30% doable. I just think it's more likely you're going to see most of the yardage come from Walker and Charbonnet this season. Maybe you get three backs over 200. I think 250, though. That might be a little bit high for me to pick three running backs for the Seahawks to hit that total. What's the odds? Seattle tight ends hit double digits for touchdowns as a group. This is a unit that had nine touchdowns as a group last year. Now you add Jackson Smith and Jigba to the receiver group. Can they get to double-digit touchdowns at the tight end position? I know you love this group, Corbin, but I'm going to have to say I believe that this is going to be a 20% just because of the additions of Jackson Smith and Jigba. And as we talked about with our running back talk, 
Zach Charbonnet being at the goal line gives the Seahawks much more of an opportunity to trust the run game near there. Now, I do think the Titans are still going to be a huge factor, in, especially in the red zone. But I think Zach Charbonnet is going to be taking a lot of the boatload of that opportunity. I'm going to go 70%. I'm going on the other side. And, and I said this earlier. We, we did a segment where we were looking at uh, some bold takes with Colby Parkinson and company. And I just think when you have a 6-7 tight end with all the other weapons that they have, I mean, teams are not going to be able to they're not going to be able to put together defensive schemes where they're going to be focusing much attention on this big bodied athletic tight end. And I think Will Disley is always sneaky down there. Noah Fant, I think, is capable of scoring. I think scoring 10 or 11 touchdowns with that trio is definitely doable because there's going to be a lot of ideal one on one opportunities for them with Jackson Smith and Jigba, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett at the receiver position. So I actually like the chance of this happening. I don't think the yardage is going to be there from last year, but I think touchdowns, you could see an uptick just because of all those other weapons taking attention away from the tight ends. And Geno Smith likes to throw to that tight end position. I think in the red zone, that's still going to be an area where they can be really dangerous. All right, we're going to go to the defensive side of the ball now. What's the odds, Dallas? Three Seahawks edge rushers finish with half a dozen sacks, so at least six sacks, three edge rushers. What's the odds? I'm going to stamp this as I think Coach B.T. Jordan has done an amazing job already. and I think he's going to further illustrate this by stamping this. I'm going to stamp this at 85%. I think that the I think that the Seahawks edge rushers are showing amazing development. Boya Mafe, you still have Daryl Taylor, who mind you had nine and a half sacks last season, and then you got a guy in Derek Hall who, throughout camp, throughout the preseason, when he had the opportunity, he was showing out there that he belonged here, and he's gonna contribute. I think in a right away fashion that mo most people weren't even thinking. I think Pete Carroll has an opportunity to really throw this dude out there. And don't forget, you still have Uchenna Nuosu also in this edge group. This is an edge group that is going to be a really premier position, especially for this team. But I think it's going to be one of the premier groups throughout the NFC and the league. I'm going to go right at 50% on this one. Just because sacks can be kind of a fleeting thing year to year. And we don't know about Daryl Taylor and Derek Hall's health status. I don't think either one of them is in jeopardy to miss a lot of time, but they're not practicing right now. If they miss a game or two, it doesn't really change this that much, in my opinion. But I think that Mafe is the one to keep an eye on because he had three last year. I, I think that he can get to six or seven if he is your full-time starter, which I, I think he has earned that job. I think he's won it. Daryl Taylor had nine and a half sacks last year, mostly being a situational guy. So he can rack up sacks and bunches. And I think Uchenna Nuosu, it's a safe bet for him to get over six. So I, I like those two guys, Daryl Taylor and Uchenna Nuosu, to get that done. Mafe is the one as much as he, as he as much as he has improved, I feel like this is a great opportunity to really see where he's at rushing the passer. Are the pressures he was making in the preseason going to turn into sacks? That's really why I can't go above 50%, but I definitely could see it happening with the improvements Mafe's made and the other cogs they have in this rushing rotation. What's the odds Seattle finishes with a top 15 rushing defense, both in total yards and yards per carry? 75%. I don't think Pete Carroll is going to allow this to happen again. And 
with the defense, especially what they showed throughout the preseason, it seemed to be a major adjustment and a major focus on keying in on their run fits, especially from the secondary. The secondary seemed much more active, getting stops from less than three yards for the running back. So the running backs weren't, weren't even getting three yards down the field, and we had safeties hitting them, which is a really good sign that everyone's locked in on the run defense, and which has been a huge emphasis throughout the offseason. I think Seattle's run defense is going to be much better than it was last year. I do still have reservations about that nose tackle depth, though. So that is something that's kind of lingering over me while I'm projecting this. To get both of these, I'm actually going to go with 35%. And I don't want to sound like I'm not being optimistic because I, I am optimistic that this group is going to be much better than they were last year. I mean, they have to be. They were 30th defending the run. They were atrocious last year. But I think in terms of the yards per carry, I would be more confident about that one than I would be getting a top five rushing defense. I feel like teams are really going to try to run the football because of the talent Seattle has in the secondary. So I just think volume, there's going to be enough carries there where they're going to give up plenty of rushing yards. But I think the yards per carry is going to improve a lot from a year ago. So I'm going to go 35%. If it was one or the other, I would be well above 50% for both. I'm not necessarily sold because I think teams are still going to be emphasizing the run quite a bit against the Seahawks, in part because of the talent they have in the back half of that secondary and the pass rushing talent that we just talked about. What's the odds Seattle cornerbacks combined for 10 interceptions? This one's pretty lofty, Dallas. Mm, I'm not going to lie. This is one where I'm going to put it at like 15%. And the biggest reason is Tariq Woolen isn't a secret anymore. <laughs> Coming out of the draft last year, no one really knew who this guy was. They knew he was a specimen of an athlete and comes out, former wide receiver, and makes plays at the cornerback position. But now... He's regarded as one of the top young corners in the entire league. I think quarterbacks are going to be staying away from him. They're going to be much more conservative, especially knowing what he's done. And with Witherspoon, when he does come back, if he's starting opposite being a top five pick, I think teams are going to be really shy around the Seahawks secondary. As you just said, this secondary has a lot of talent, especially the cornerback position. So I think it's going to be very difficult to get 10 interceptions. Yeah, I think if we were having this discussion and Devin Witherspoon had played all the preseason or most of the preseason and he was going to be available to start the season, I might feel bullish on this because I know the ball skills that he and Reek Woolen both have. But 10 for just the corners is really, really – I'm going to go 5%. I'm not going to say that it's physically impossible, but even with Reek Woolen getting six picks last year, that's going to be tough to match this year. And depending how much Devin Witherspoon plays – all the different things that we're factoring in here. I just think 10 for the secondary would be tough, let alone the cornerback group. So I'm going to say 5%. Last one real quick. We have to get some special teams love here, Dallas. What's the odds Jason Myers connects on 90% or better of field goals and PAT attempts? You know, it's an odd year. So that's something to consider when you're coming up with your percentage here. Oof. You know, I'm going to give Jason Myers. I think he's going to be doing great this year. and. I want him to keep this going. So I'm going to actually say, I'm going to give him an 80% chance on doing this because Jason Myers, such an accurate field goal kicker, he's been one of the best for such a long time already. Has that little thing that we talked about prior where there's a little interesting thing in his career, but I think that he's going to do it this season. You know, maybe this is going to come back to bite me and maybe it's just going to 
further fuel this curse that has been odd years for Jason Myers, but I'm going to go 100%. I, I would, if I was betting on this, I'm going all in on it because I have seen him at training camp. The chemistry with the new long snapper has been great. He was really good for most of the preseason. There was a missed field goal in there, but no big deal. He boomed a 57 yarder through the uprights in one of those games. So I am confident in Jason Myers, and I think whatever has been the issue on odd seasons, it's got to end at some point, right? So I am going all in that this is going to be the year that Jason Myers throws that trend out the window and really defines himself as one of the premier kickers in the NFL. He should get plenty of chances to boot field goals and extra points as well with this Seahawks offense. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C. Cooper. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you don't miss a single episode. We're going to go into regular season mode on Monday. I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang, and the two of us will dive into some juicy details on Seattle's upcoming week one opponent, the bitter rival, Los Angeles Rams. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Friday and your weekend. Go Hawks.